So here's the question, and it might sound a little bit harsh, and I understand that. Did Jamie Benn just cost the Dallas Stars a shot at winning or at least competing for the Stanley Cup? Because that's kind of the way it felt last night, and that's kind of the way it feels today. Jamie Benn, for his cross-check last night uh, on Mark Stone, has a hearing with the NHL Department of Player Safety. Um, He's getting something, folks. That was vicious. And I understand that Mark Stone stayed in the game and played the rest of the game. Now, he did get slashed by Max Domi, and Max Domi will now um, fork over $5,000. That is the maximum allowable uh, under the CBA for that slash. And just as an aside, let me let me walk down a street here really quickly. Um, does it not seem as if the game plan for the Dallas Stars is to target two players and they have been from pretty much game one and try to pound them mercilessly. One, Alex Petrangelo, two, Mark Stone. And Jamie Benn going after Mark Stone, again, is uh, is going to cost him, well, probably at least the closeout game, what could be the closeout game, game four, after Vegas just handled them last night. Now, I know last night was a lot about Jake Ottinger. Um, these haven't been the best possible playoffs for Jake Ottinger. The Dallas Stars now find themselves down 3 nothing at the hands of the Vegas Golden Knights, who look to close out tomorrow. Jake Ottinger got pulled again. Uh, we've seen Jake Ottinger get pulled before. We've also seen Jake Ottinger put up the brick wall. I mean, we've seen the good of Jake Ottinger. We've seen the bad of Jake Ottinger. And last night, Marcia Sobarbashev and Carrier score, and that's it. And it's inter Scott Wedgwood. And, you know, part of the conversation now is going to be who starts Game four for the Dallas Stars. Is it Ottinger or is it Wedgwood? Uh, over to you, Peter DeBoer. That is a difficult decision. Although maybe for Peter DeBoer it's not. Maybe it's just as simple as uh, Jake Ottinger's our guy and Jake Ottinger got us here and Jake Ottinger's going to be our goaltender, period. Nonetheless, back to Jamie Benn. So Jamie Benn with the uh, early first period cross-check, it's forceful, it's, uh, it's downward. Uh, Mark Stone is already on the ice. Like there, there's no way you can you can slice this one to even try to justify what Jamie Ben did last night. And I know there was some some feigned outrage, certainly on social media last night, that Jamie Ben did not make himself available. The Dallas Stars did not make Jamie Ben available uh, post game as well. I understand the idea of making yourself accountable for your actions and explaining yourself afterwards, but. At the same time, uh, if you're the Dallas Stars and if you're Jamie Benn, you're probably saying to yourself after that game, uh, our captain's most likely looking at a hearing with George Peros and the NHL Department of Player Safety. We don't want him to say anything that is going to make matters worse. The best case, uh, uh, the, the best thing to do in this situation is to remain silent and just exit and leave when reporters are looking for comment. I understand that it sucks for, um, for media. I get it. I totally understand it. I'm part of it, right? Uh, but I do understand from Jamie Benn's point of view and the Dallas Stars' point of view, you know, you're looking at a hearing, you're down 3 nothing. you don't want to make this worse than it already is, Probably the best thing to do is if you're Dallas, if you're Jamie Ben, just say, love to talk, can't do it, have a hearing, peace out. And that's what the Dallas Stars and Jamie Ben did. Now, Vegas Golden Knights, they look like a, they are a freight train right now. And again, like I'll point out, a lot of it was Ottinger. Those weren't Ottinger goals. Um, but still, Vegas Golden Knights look fantastic. This is, as Elliot mentioned on television last night, the coming out party for Jack Eichel. 
Um, although he had the, um, by his standards, a disastrous first game in the playoffs. Welcome to the NHL postseason, Jack Eichel. Ever since then, he's been outstanding and he seems to be getting better. And that line, uh, which is dynamic and skilled and tough and different. And that's one of the keys about successful lines. Certainly look at the top line for Dallas and you can make that argument too. Whether it's Jonathan Marcheseau, Jack Eichel, or Ivan Barbashev, that great trade deadline acquisition by Kelly McCrimmon and the Vegas Golden Knights, that is one of maybe the best line in the postseason. And Jack Eichel, with all due respect to Mark Stone, who's been exceptional, Eichel might be the best player in the playoffs. Now, I said player, goaltender, clearly Sergei Bobrovsky, and if we're voting for the Smythe right now, it's going to the netminder with the Panthers. But as far as skaters go, is there anybody better right now than Jack Eichel? You know, the Buffalo Sabres uh, made a deal years ago, and Ryan O'Reilly found himself winning the Stanley Cup and the Smythe Trophy. We'll see what happens here with Jack Eichel and the Vegas Golden Knights. But please tell me, you're not getting the same type vibe from Jack Eichel, that if Vegas can do this, he's the guy. Could we be looking at a situation where Jack Eichel not only has his playoff debut, but wins the Stanley Cup? And if you're voting for Vegas right now, who's your odds on Conn Smythe winner? It's Jack Eichel, right? It is for me. Let's get to Elliot on the other side. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Sound like I'm a uh, card-carrying member of the Jack Eichel fan club, and maybe I am right now. He's been exceptional. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Corey Lavalette from uh, North State Journal and The Athletic. We're crossing our fingers because if practice works out for Corey's schedule, he'll join me. And we'll talk about the Carolina Hurricanes tonight as they look to stave off elimination at the hands of the Florida Panthers. Uh, it is Wednesday. That means MVSW Redux for you old school MVSW fans. Greg from ESPN. He'll stop by. And Craig Conroy, uh, the new general manager of the Calgary Flames, will stop by to wrap up hour two. And that is your show uh, as we welcome in and welcome aboard Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Are you uh, one of the card carrying members of uh, Team Eichel in the playoffs, Elliot? I am, but you know what, Jeff? I mean, obviously, we've still got another round to play, and we'll see where this all goes. But <laughs> for me, it's tough to vote ahead of Bobrovsky right now. Like, if you're asking yeah. me to vote today, yeah. it, it's got to be Bobrovsky. But, you know, it, it's not like Eichel's a bad pick or anything like that. I, I absolutely wouldn't argue with you. And I think, in particular, his defensive play, in a lot of ways, I think has been just as good as your – uh, off, as his offensive play, and I think he deserves a lot of credit yeah. for it. But for me right now, it's tough to pick against Bobrovsky. You know, it, it's interesting. Uh, a quick sidetrack here on, on goalie Bob, and I want to get to tonight's game where we might see handshakes and sunrise. You know, someone tweeted at me this morning saying, uh, so let's run down the resume here. Let's get ahead of ourselves with the Florida Panthers if they can actually pull this off and, and win the Stanley Cup. Um, Sergei Bobrovsky, uh, two Vesna trophies. If he wins the Stanley Cup, he's most certainly the Smythe Trophy winner in the process. That's Does a good that question. give him automatic passage into the Hockey Hall of Fame? <laughs> You know, you you come up with a lot of dumb questions, but this is a really good one, I have to say. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's I, I'd be curious to know, Jeff, and, and I, I would definitely concede you're more of the historian. Uh, uh, you're more of the historian than uh, I am. And But I would be curious 
how many people have had as many down years as Bobrovsky has had? Like, there's some real highs, mm. but there's some real lows. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to when it comes to netminders, who would be Hall of Famers, none of them are jumping to mind for me right away. And and as a matter of fact, here's here's where it gets more interesting, Elliot. The one position, and I, I think this is on uh, on the on the top of mind. I, I think for a lot of people um, at the hall who do the voting, uh, the selection committee. I think that the net mining position might be the most underrepresented of all the positions. There are plenty of you know defensemen in there, plenty of uh, forwards in there as well. The one area, and listen, the goalie guild will tell you this uh, right away. That's the one area that is is woefully inadequate. And even though Bobrovsky did have down seasons, certainly you look at the way he started his career in Philadelphia, right? He was like, okay, reclamation project here for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Ian Clark helps turn around Sergei Bobrovsky's career, a couple of uh, a couple of Vesna trophies in Florida. Uh, at times, it looked like he had lost his job, both to Spencer Knight and then this season to Alex Lyon, and then turns in this performance. But what I... What I think this does is because I, I think you measure players because you, you, you measure players not just based on the entire body of work, but I think you look at where they're at as a peak performer. And as a peak performer, there's two Vesnas. And if he wins the Stanley Cup and if he wins the Con Smythe Trophy, I think for people on the selection committee for the Hockey Hall of Fame, they would look at that and say, how do we not, considering you know, goaltenders are the least represented in the Hall of Fame. How do we not give this guy passage? Despite the fact, to your point, there have been some really down times for goalie Bob. I, I tend to look at it the, uh, the opposite, Jeff. I, I would look at the top, but I would also say, like, I, I think one of the things the Hockey Hall of Fame has gotten right now, and it took them a while to do it, was recognize <laughs> great careers that didn't last. Like, it used to be that who got punished? The Pavel Bures, the Cam Neelys, the Eric Lindroses. Um, those players would not get into the Hall of Fame. And we've finally gotten to a point where we recognize that maybe your star didn't shine as long, but it shined very bright. That works. That makes sense. And I, like to me, that would almost seem to be an argument against Bobrovsky because he's had a longer career and a good chunk of it wasn't very good. Like, I... I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I think it's a great debate. But I don't know if, like, and he's unbelievable right now, and he's going to have an incredible resume if he does what you say. But the first thing that pops into my head is, would there be a Hall of Famer who had as many rough years in their prime? Like, I think that's another key mm. thing here, is that they should have been in some of the prime years of Bobrovsky's career. I, like, like there are some players who held on when they were older, right? But I don't think anybody holds that against them. Um, but Jeff, you know, it's it's a great argument. It really is. It's a it's a really good question. A really good argument. Well, uh, we'll see where that one heads. Park that because you know the most immediate story right now is, uh, and I like safe to say the pending suspension uh, for, of uh, for, yeah. for Jamie Ben yeah. uh, of the Dallas Stars. It'll most certainly cost him Game Four. We'll see about beyond. You know, one of the points before you came on that I was making, I know there was a lot of grousing last night, and I understand it. I'm a member of the media as well, and you want to talk to the player who did the thing and get the comments. 
Um, I know there's a lot of grousing about Jamie Benn not making himself available. The Stars not making Jamie Benn available. I know that he's the captain and there are responsibilities that come along with that. Um, the thing that I took away from it was the Dallas Stars and Jamie Benn probably had a good idea that there was going to be a hearing over this. And they thought only bad can come of having Jamie Benn comment publicly on what he did before he talks to George Peros. And that is probably the reason why he decided to take the back door. Again, as a member of the media, I don't like it. But from the Dallas Stars' point of view, I understand it. Your thoughts? Well, well, I think that's probably true, Jeff. But you can communicate that. Like, you can, like that, that's what I think Ben should have done. He should have made a point to say or have someone say, look, I'm going to have a hearing mm-hmm. and I, I apologize. Like, uh, you can even make like a statement. Like, I feel terrible about leaving my team uh, shorthanded in such a big game. But I, I don't want to talk until after the hearing and I will answer all of your questions when they're done. Like, I think there's there's a way to do that. And unfortunately, yeah. like, like I heard, like I heard, he was really rattled last night for obvious reasons. He 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 made a terrible play. He made a huge mistake. I have no doubt that he felt terrible for the lurch that he left the organization and his teammates in. I have no doubt any of that is true. Um, you know, I just think like like I remember one time uh, I was covering a Detroit playoff series. And I think it was Draper. I, I can't remember now, but I do remember it was the Detroit playoff series. And I think it was Chris Draper got mad one night because he's like, how come it's always the same guys answering the questions? And he was like, you know, and, and, you know, and, I, I, and what his point was was that, you know, when you lose, you have to stand up. And he always did. Like, he, he was there win or lose. You always knew you could talk to Chris Draper. And I think the point that I think people probably got upset about was other players had to answer for Ben. And I'm sure it bothered some other players. But I think that's the way it could have been handled is Ben puts out a statement. He says, look, I'm really sorry. I think I may have a hearing tomorrow. I'll gladly answer all of these questions after the hearing. And I feel terrible for, for you know, how I left my teammates. Like, to me, if you do that, Everything else calms down. Mm-hmm. Do you have a, uh, a a quick thought? We have a lot to get to today. You have a quick thought on what we saw last night? Vegas, uh, the four nothing win. Aiden Hill with uh, with the shutout. The agent there is Jerry Johansson and licking his chops every game that goes by here for pending unrestricted free agent Aiden Hill. Do you have a Do you have a thought on uh, what we saw last night between Vegas and Dallas as the venue shifted to the Lone Star State? Well, uh, Jerry Johansson also represents Carey Price, so I, I can imagine the binder he's putting together comparing Aiden Hill to Carey Price <laughs> and why Hill deserves $10.5 million. I mean, look, like I, I think that was an absolute clinic put on by uh, Vegas last night. From the moment it started, you know, Eichel with that great pass. You know, the thing, too, and, and Jen showed a great highlight pack in the, in the second intermission, you know, even though they got outshot, I never felt they lost control of that game. They dictated the way that game was going yeah. to be played. Like, sometimes you look at shots and say, oh, Dallas carried the play. That, to me, last night was um, one of those things where numbers lie. That I thought that Vegas was in complete control. They dictated what was going to happen. 
They were never in trouble. Never. I felt that whole game, they had a completely firm hand on what was going to happen. I really thought that was one of the most dominant performances we've seen from a team in these playoffs this year. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it really was, and a lot of it was led by that line um, that we talked about. Um, Jack Eichel, Ivan Barbashev, Jonathan Marcheseau, one of the most dynamic uh, lines um, that we've seen in these playoffs. You know, I was making the point before he came on, it, it's, it's become pretty obvious what the game plan is here, or, or one of the game plans for the Dallas Stars, and it's going to cost two of their players, you know, one of them probably with a suspension, the other costs financially. Um, you know, Max Domi was fined the 5,000 for, for what he did to Alex Petrangelo, but does it not seem that the strategy going into this series is whenever you get a chance, no matter how dirty it might be to get a lick in on Mark Stone and Alex Petrangelo, you do it. Well, I think that's, you know, Edmonton did that. There's, there's no question about it. That was part of the other strategy. And, you know, like I, I, I have no doubt that, like, when that whole thing happened with Petrangelo and Dreisaitl, um, I think uh, Vegas brought up a lot about uh, the way Petrangelo was getting treated and the way Stone was getting treated. Like, you know, obviously, you know, we, we had that big debate at the time, Jeff, and we both felt that Petrangelo should have gotten at least one more game than Nurse did. It's over now. There's nothing we can do about it. But I heard that that's one of the things Vegas talked about. Is they said, look, like, like, you know, like, look at the treatment some of our guys are getting. And uh, that doesn't excuse what Petrangelo did. But I've noticed it's calmed down a lot since that occurred. So I wonder if, you know, like there, if something was said or behind the scenes they were told, if this doesn't change, we're going to penalize it. I don't have a good answer on that. But it it can't be a coincidence. But as you know, Jeff, you know it's playoff hockey. You're gonna play hard to win, yeah. and if you can take your shot, you're gonna take it. So let me um let me uh you, you mentioned Chris Draper's name there a second ago and transition off the, the game from last night um and transition the Toronto Maple Leafs general manager search. I got a phone call from someone two days ago. I was hoping to mention this a couple of days ago, and I forgot. So I was out walking my dog, and I get a phone call from someone, and this person says to me, you know, I listen to you guys with the Maple Leafs GM search, and you're, you know, Brad Treliving this, and you're Mark Hunter that, and all these names. He said, how come you guys never consider someone like Chris Draper? And what does Chris Draper need to do to get recognized for one of these positions? Do you have a thought on Chris Draper, either with one of these positions or maybe the future for Chris Draper? I mean, his career is very much trending in this direction. Do you have a thought mm-hmm. on Chris Draper? Well, I, I think the the one I've thought that I've mentioned his name before. And, um, you know, Jeff, one of the things I do think about quite a bit is, you know, when you putting names out there, um, number one, you want to make sure it's true. You don't just you just don't want to throw uh, yeah. a name out there uh, if it's not there. But secondly, I do think sometimes, um, you know, sometimes putting people's names out there like over and over and over again, it's it's not good for the person. And so I, I sometimes 100%. like I so. I think about it like if it's true, it's true, and you just do it. Like that's it's that simple. And um, 
You know, and, and the thing about Draper was, I do think there was a time he was really rising. And that's probably still the case. Like, I think the thing is, what, what happens is, as Detroit rises, I always say this, a rising tide raises all ships, right? And as Detroit mm-hmm. gets better, you're going to hear Draper's name more. You're going to hear Horkoff's name more. And I think it, it's probably a lot because... Um, Detroit hasn't had the enormous success yet. They're coming out of a rebuild. This year they got to the precipice of the playoffs. I just think that you have to get into a situation where your team has some success before people start to say, okay, that's a person. That's what I think it has a lot to do with. The the, the the point wasn't, I may, I may have mischaracterized this, the point wasn't, oh, you're just throwing these names out of names that you think can fit. I think the phone call was more about how come his name isn't out there more. Like, why aren't more people talking about uh, Traper for, for some of these positions? Not just, well, if you guys are throwing names up and see, and see what sticks on the wall. This was more along the lines of how come more people aren't considering Chris Traper? I think it's probably, like like, you know, look at, like somebody called me the same thing the other day about Matthew Darsh in in uh, yeah. Tampa. You know, you know, why do you think his name gets mentioned a lot? Well, I think it's because Tampa's had a lot of success. And you know, to be honest, I'm surprised that people like Al Murray and Stacy Roost and and Jamie Pusher haven't don't get mentioned more yeah. because you know it's like the the Belichick coaching tree is not that successful to be honest. But because it's Belichick up until the last couple of years, everybody's like, I want a piece of that. And that's kind of the way it goes. Like whenever you have a winning organization, Jeff, that that's when that's that's when your name goes somewhere like that's that's when you start to grow. And I think that that has I, I think that has like Jim Neal for a long time was a very hot candidate. And finally, he made the choice. It's time to go to Dallas. And it was because Detroit had a big run of success. You know, um, you know I, I think that's what happens with a lot of people. Does your organization have success? And if yes, you get mentioned more. I think it's pretty simple, really. You know, mentioning Jim Nill, uh, Nil Sweeney and Zito are your final. That was a good way, piece, by the way. GM of the year. But that was a really good oh, piece. Oh, with by Jim? The way, yeah. Last well, night, yeah, I, I, thanks. I really thought that the, uh, I, I loved his line about Dale Talon because like, I, I knew about the Jays, about how Florida was really upset with Dallas. Yeah, I, I, I was Robinson. watching, like, I, I knew that you're like, you were like, uh, the, the, you were like so excited telling that story because those are the stories <laughs> that really get your juices flowing. <laughs> Oh, that's that's catnip for you. But I didn't know that Florida was trying was in trying to get Ottinger too because yeah. you know I was I was of the belief that they they traded to move up to block Philadelphia, who I think a lot of us had heard as well were interested in in Jake Ottinger. So they grabbed that spot. They flipped with Chicago and and blocked Philadelphia. Who ended up taking Morgan Frost. But I mean, listen, draft stories are catnip for me. You've known me for for decades. Yeah, I, they are great um, stories. Okay. People love that stuff. They they really are okay. Um, NHL NHL PA meeting today. Um, yep. The main discussion point: true or false? The salary cap. Yeah, and uh, you know we've talked about this a little bit. There are some mathematicians, uh, people who have access to the numbers, who really believe that there is room to squeeze. Like basically, there's a there's a million dollar raise baked into the CBA. 
And everybody knows that's going to happen at least 83 and a half next year. But the people who really crunch the numbers better than I do and really know this stuff better than I do, they believe there is a little more flexibility there. That you can go up to one and a half, maybe two million, and you won't have to, play, have to ask the players about the escrow caps. The players have made it very clear that their escrow, which is capped at 6%, um, they're not touching it. And I think the league is well aware of that. So, um, but they, uh, people, like I said, people knows better than me think you could raise it to a million and a half to um, without having to do that. But I think the question is, is there a, a willingness to do that? Now, I will say this. Right. I think there is some pressure from, well, Bettman doesn't listen to the GMs, but maybe some owners who, who want their teams to have a bit more flexibility. So I'm curious to see, like, Bettman's going to do what he wants to do. That's just the way he is. Um, but yep. I think that there are some owners out there who would like to see a bit more flexibility. We'll see where it goes. Any conversation about adding games? Oh, I can't believe I'm saying this. Adding games to the schedule, Elliot? Well, well, there was reported by Larry Brooks in the New York Post that the players had agreed to 84. You and I talked a lot about this earlier in the year, the yeah. idea of going to 84 yeah. to increase the schedule matrix or improve the schedule matrix so more division rivalry games. You know, I was looking at the NBA CBA this morning or the, the, or the reports on the new agreement that they've had. Like, because of the new in-season tournament they've added, I think it works out, and this is what someone explained to me, that the team that wins that tournament could end up playing 83 games. And this person actually told me they were very surprised that the NBA players would agree to this with all the load management in the league and things like that. But he said if if, if one team is willing to go to 83, then – you know, maybe the NHL teams will, and players will agree to go to 84. We'll see. Hmm. We'll see about that one. Um, real quick as we wrap up here, I understand they've canceled all bar mitzvahs in Florida today, so Alexander Barkov is good to go for the Panthers tonight, true or false? Yes, i got to tell you, the loss of the dessert table is, is very big, Jeff. Yes, they said that he's going to play tonight. <laughs> I also wanted to mention something else. There were some reports yesterday that maybe Sergei Fedorov was interviewing for the coaching job in Columbus. I'm told that's not the case, that uh, Fedorov has another year on his contract uh, overseas, and he is staying, and he's not looking for any NHL jobs right now. It was interesting. Like, I think that people would be very curious about something like that. So uh, I looked into it, and I was told that's, that's not the case. Interesting. How, how close are they? By the, I mean, there's a few teams that are out here that we're wondering about. Washington, certainly. Uh, you mentioned Columbus with their coaching situation. Anaheim, I would imagine at some point there'll be a, you know, some type of public declaration about what's happening with, uh, with the Nashville Predators. Is there, are there one or two teams that you really have your eyes on here uh, for coaching vacancies? I think we always thought Columbus was the first one. But I, I think now, I think Columbus, like this, like, for the teams that are interested in Carberry, this is a big week. I think he's seeing three or four teams. So, like, I always thought, like, Calgary's just starting. Anaheim, I've heard Anaheim might still be doing some more interviews at the Combine. So, obviously, if, if that's true, they're not close. I got to think Columbus, Rangers, Washington, 
and Nashville, depending on what they're doing here. Um, I think that those are probably the teams you're you're looking at to go first. Uh, real quick, you have a thought on tonight? We may see handshakes. I mean, certainly if, if Bobrovsky is uh, the Bobrovsky that we've seen all throughout the playoffs, we will see handshakes. But uh, Carolina looking to stave off elimination and take this thing back to Raleigh. What do we look for this evening? Um, I, well, look, like I think if you're Rod Brindamore, you've got to sell uh, your team on, we have barely lost any of these games. Yeah, we're down 3 nothing. But look at the games we've lost. Like they've, they lost two in overtime, and one game was one to nothing. Like you have to say we are not that far behind. But the one thing I have to do is they do, they have to get in Bobrovsky's grill. Just not enough. Not enough. You've got to be like the uncooked meat chef that just sits there that you have to scrape off later. <laughs> what is with your analogies lately? And don't use a thistle brush, everyone. Those thistle brushes can get caught, <laughs> and it's not safe. I've learned: do really not use a thistle brush, brush. Do not lose a thistle. Use a thistle brush to clean your grill. It's just not a good idea. And you thought you came here for hockey talk? No, you came here for grilling tips from Elliot Friedman. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Friedman. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon, uh, and we'll watch for you on the Magic Eyeball tonight. Game four, Carolina Hurricanes and Florida Panthers. Elliot Friedman from uh, 32 Thoughts and uh, Hockey Night in Canada.